Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Hello to everyone and thanks for being part of Beyond Governance Show. I am delighted to share this space and time with you, the beloved listener of the wonderful show. Uh, yours truly is Nimrod Mbele, the agitator of social change uh, that is driven by evidence and meritocracy. Uh, it is on this basis that we often invite thought leaders with business acumen to share their lived experiences uh, so that we can all learn. In today's conversation, we are shining spotlight on the energy crisis I bet the lotion in Saga is probably the most single, single most important newsworthy item in the minds of all South Africans. In making sense of this multi-layered and complex situation, we are joined by Hamid Mashaba in his capacity as the president of Action SA. Hamid is no longer a stranger to the show. We are always delighted to have his insights. Before we get into the conversation with Hamid, I just want to address the fact that we, particularly, we, we broaden the conversation. We obviously want to broaden the conversation in this very important topic by inviting other social actors and political parties to hear their views and, most importantly, their solutions. In my view, it is one thing to criticize and it is another to provide solution. I am sure we always seek solution at policy level. We seek solution at strategic program level. We seek solution at the design level. We, we seek solu- solution at operational level. So these kinds of conversations are actually meant to give the listener an insight, insight on extent to which they can apply some of these views in their own practical spaces, particularly when you're providing solution. Expand debacle. It's an indictment on government as a shareholder and indict on ESCO management as the country is literally on the brink of collapse. The social and political ramification resulting from the fall of ESCOM or the collapse of, of ESCOM is just too big to comprehend. As if that's not enough, Andre Director uh, calls it a quits. He has resigned last year and serving a notice which ends in March. You know, his sudden uh, resignation was instigated by a barrage of public attacks uh, which were supposedly or allegedly leveled against him by the, the Minister of Mineral Resources, Gwede Mantashe, and the failure or supposed failure of the Minister of Public Enterprises, Pravin Godan, failure to protect him in public. I mean, we all understand that kind of a job, if you don't get support at the bottom, i.e. your staff, get support from your Executive, if you don't get support from your principal, if you don't get support from your shareholder, you are dead in the water. So it is understandable that when Andre felt overwhelmed, felt that he did, he did not have support, particularly when he's been attacked by cabinet minister, which is quite shocking to say the least. As we proceed on the same issue, we hear that media platforms that the chairperson of ESCOM board, Mpomakwan, is widely expected to step into Andre the Raider's role as ESCOM chief group executive. You know, it's interesting how history repeats itself. 
Back in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, Mpo was a non-executive director who acted for seven months after the departure of Jacob Marocha. And he's coming back again, you know. Uh, from a government's point of view, it paints a very interesting picture because there has to be a distinctive role that the chairperson play and the CEO play. Perhaps maybe uh, he will probably come in as interim while uh, the you know, government as a show is looking for replacement. But let's see how it goes. This is something that we really need to watch with uh, with, with close interest. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome uh, Herman Mashaba, who is the president of Action SA. Herman, once again, thank you very much for gracing uh, Beyond Governance with the presence. Thank you so much, uh, Nimrund, and uh, uh, compliments uh, to you and the listeners. And uh, as always, uh, thank you for this opportunity to really have uh, this very important conversation with your listeners. Thank you much indeed. Uh, without uh, waste of time, you have had all sorts of mischief at ESCOM. Any of you, what seems to be at the heart of the mischief at, at ESCOM? Well, I think Nimrod, I've listened to your very insightful uh, opening remarks on, on, on the subject matter. But you left actually the key person responsible for failure to protect um, uh, the raters and, and ESCOM. Uh, you forgot uh, to mention the role played by our president, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, the man uh, who was appointed in uh, December 2014 by the, the then President Jacob Zuma to be in charge of SOEs, including ESCOM. And, um, and uh, now he's the president of the country. I cannot understand or accept from anyone to say uh, anything that we've got to really blame uh, Gwede Mantashe and um, and uh, and Godan and leave Cyril Ramaphosa out because obviously Cyril Ramaphosa is actually the 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 president of the country. If you've got ministers and ministers not doing their jobs, uh, their job on a critical infrastructure or service like ESCOM, and you don't do anything about it and think that you'll be left out, Herman Mashaba is not going to. So. My my uh, point of view, my starting point of view, is that uh, we have to put uh, several Ramaphosa um, at the top of anyone to really be blamed uh, uh, on the, the, the suffering that South Africans uh, are going through. It is the man who came to us on a ticket of a new dawn. Right now, South Africans are in a dark, in actual darkness. <laughs> Thank you very much for that insight, I mean, um I do I do agree uh, on the issue of the president because uh, Andre Director did indicate that one of the person that he felt uh, did not support him in public, at least, uh, was the president. And it's quite interesting that you bring the president uh, as part of, of the architect uh, of ESCOM and and the extent to which he. You leveling, you know, the downfall of ESCOM, ESCOM or the, the mischief at ESCOM, you are somehow saying he's partly responsible for it. Not partly, directly, no. I think we, let's not really play with the words. President Ramaphosa is not uh, partly. He is directly responsible for the collapse of ESCOM because uh, when the Guptas uh, were uh, busy looting and uh, having a heist uh, against the ESCOM, he was the head. So he knows that, uh, exactly what transpired ESCOM, ESCOM more than actually Jacob Zuma knew because when the Guptas were actually carrying out uh, some of uh, the 
are looting. I'm sure uh, says that Jacob Zuma had no knowledge uh, because of obviously knowing Jacob Zuma. But Cyril Ramaphosa was the man entrusted by the president, uh, Jacob Zuma, to look after this entity. So I'm saying is let's not really uh, really uh, try and sugarcoat uh, this particular matter. Cyril Ramaphosa is directly uh, responsible, if not 100% uh, responsible for the collapse of uh, of ESCOM, is uh, responsible for South Africans uh, to be in darkness, is responsible for South African businesses closing down, particularly small businesses who cannot afford uh, um, to have generators and uh, inverters, is responsible uh, for the suffering of our people, losing jobs uh, every day. So, uh, he's the man who just uh, a week ago was celebrating a failure is celebrating 29 million South Africans uh, being uh, um, on social grants. I mean, you've, you, you've got to have some kind of uh, uh, thinking to think that uh, this is a success. I mean, this is a failure when you have uh, uh, almost half of your, your citizens being dependent on, on social grants from government to survive. We, we're not in a communist um, Era of 1917 uh, with uh, Lenin and and um, and Stalin here or or after the Second World War in China with Mao Zedong. We we live uh, in a in 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 a modern world uh, where I think uh, the president has got to really understand that success in in, uh, in 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 to run a country is when you have. Uh, uh, people actually being self-sufficient, not reliant on government to survive. Let me just take you back on one of the issues that has been point point as 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 a challenge at ESCOM. Obviously, one is that of a legacy problem, um, the maintenance of plants, which has been lacking, one, and two, the alleged sabotage. What is your take on those two, the extent to which the plants have not been maintained adequately? And secondly, the whole point which uh, Pravin Godan uh, pointed out to, uh, the minister um, alluded to, uh, insofar as sabotage is concerned. Your take a note, is there any update from where you're sitting? It is very clear that uh, there is sabotage, but sabotage by NC senior politicians and their cronies. They are the ones responsible for for, for looting. It is for that reason they made uh, the writer's work uh, impossible because he was trying to really fight uh, fraud and corruption with no support from our law enforcement agencies because, unfortunately, our law enforcement agencies are captured by the ANC criminal activities. So, but but I think let's really then really look at the solutions because we, we, we can really debate uh, about really what transpired. What we know that what transpired is because of the criminality of, of the ANC capturing uh, our state the way they did. For me, the starting point for South Africans, unfortunately, and I think, and I'm saying this uh, with serious consideration, there's no short-term solution to this matter, firstly. And secondly, for us as South Africans to think we can solve problems of action, uh, of uh, ESCOM with ANC in government, we must be living in another world because ANC is the one who created this problem. So the ANC can be part of uh, the solution. And the reason why I'm saying so, uh, Nimrod and your listeners, you can imagine uh, in South Africa we're facing massive issues uh, with car hijacking and, and so forth. 
Now tell me, must we ask um, car hijacking syndicates uh, to assist us um, to fight uh, car hijacking? The country is facing massive uh, international drug syndicates uh, bringing drugs into this country. Must we ask them to assist us uh, to stop um, how to stop uh, drugs coming into our country? Can we ask uh, prisoners when we have breach, security breaches uh, in prison, people running away from prisoners, um, escaping from prison? Must we ask uh, the prisoners to assist us to tighten up um, security in prison? So I think, and I'm using this analogy so that people must understand the context of what we are dealing with. We are dealing with a criminal syndicate called ANC. Now, for anybody to expect uh, to really work with this criminal syndicate to solve ESCOM's problem, we must be living in another era because it's not going to happen. General Ramaphosa, for some reason, if he had good intentions, how is he going to deal with the, with the, with the, with the fraud and corruption of his own colleagues? So, for that reason... I believe very strongly for South, South, as a South African, really being pragmatic and really being re- and being honest with myself. If we have to really solve the country's problem, the first order of business is the removal of ANC in a democratic manner. Will they accept the early elections? Unfortunately, we 14 uh, months to to provincial and national elections. Will they accept? I doubt it. Will this country survive um, to elections? Unfortunately, I wish uh, I have spiritual powers to be able to say this. I'm a never South African because uh, I really pray every day for South Africa to survive, to get us to 2024 where we can remove ANC government into power. But for me to request the ANC to solve this problem, as far as I'm concerned, I'll be wasting my time. But obviously, there are some people who disagree with me, and I respect uh, their views. That they can engage ANC. We can have protests uh, and, and have engagement to, to ask the Ramaphosa and the ANC to find a solution. Unfortunately, cannot negotiate uh, with a criminal enterprise for them to really go into prison because for them to to uh, to, um, to, uh, to to allow uh, early elections or stepping down. Uh, or, or fixing ESCOM, that basically means they've got to allow our criminal justice system to do what is right for this country and um, arrest everyone who was involved in, in fraud and corruption, put in special uh, the, the teams from uh, the South African police services or the walks, put in special courts, the 24-hour courts, so that anyone involved uh, in the sabotage of ESCOM, because as far as I'm concerned, the sabotage of ESCOM in my world, that is treason. I think we need special courts to run 24 hours. You get arrested uh, for any offense, regardless of, of the size of the, 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 the problem. Within 24 hours, you must appear in a special court. We've got uh, judges uh, and uh, the, the magistrate who are willing uh, to, to save this country on a 24-hour basis uh, to ensure that uh, we punish criminals. But as long as we are not prepared to punish criminals or we don't, there's no political will to punish criminals, honestly, we, we can talk, we can debate, we can have protests until come home to roost. So I think uh, that's really my view. We, we need uh, to ensure that we can deal uh, with uh, allowing businesses to operate and um, uh, the, the way the businesses run because people go into business to make money. Now we've got so much legislative uh, um, obstacles, obstacles like draconian labor laws, 
So if we are not going to allow the business to operate in a manner that they can run businesses, hire people who want to really work, we, we, we're not going to turn this economy around. We are not going to fix ESCO. If we are going to allow this preferential B of the ANC to really be the order of the day, uh, unfortunately, uh, this 18.6% price increase is going to go into the wrong hands because why should ESCOM procure services from third parties? when they can buy the diesel or whatever service that they require from a third party where you've got ANC, KDAS being the beneficiaries. So that is why I think I'm, I'm concerned with this, uh, why NASA accepted this, eight, uh, this ridiculous uh, price increase, doubled uh, our in- inflation rate in, a, in a country where, where employees, right now the employees in this country never, the very few companies have managed to, to pay you know, above inflation rate. If we are not, as a country, prepared to, to face these challenges head on, uh, we are not going to find a solution because we are going to sugarcoat and try and really be politically correct. We need to really deal with this uh, uh, animal the way it is and, and really face it head on. We need to take tough decisions, make sure that uh, we professionalize uh, ESCOM and the, pro- the public service because uh, ESCOM's success is also dependent on, 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 on other departments working, like home affairs. So make sure that um, you know, goods and services leaving this country, they come in here legally. Not today where, you know, we've got um, billions of dollars of uh, stuff coming into this country legally because our ports are, are porous, our borders are porous, people come in and out without proper documentation. So, this are just to really give you examples of uh, uh, of, of really how big the this problem is is huge and it's is created on, by the ANC and that's why I don't understand anyone expecting ANC to be part of uh, solving of this uh, solving this problem. On that note, let's pay our bills and just come back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus Ninety Four Research. The science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. I am joined by Hemin Mashaba in his capacity as the president of Action SA. The thrust of our conversation is energy crisis, which he puts squarely at the feet of the ANC president and the minister in particular. Before we went to the break, in his view, Hammond is very uh, clear that the extent to which the problem of energy can be can be rectified, it is now impossible uh, for us to expect ANC to resolve those issues. He likens drug dealers being brought into the drug, uh, uh, you know, issues or drug challenges. And he says, you can't get, you know, drug syndicates to help you address drug issues. You can't get car hijackers uh, to help you stop car hijacking. 
so so that's a very interesting and powerful metaphor, which also suggests that that it is near impossible at this current uh, political space to have the leadership um, um, at the core to change and and address the problems at at ESCOM. So these are very strong, heartfelt views. He also indicated that moving forward, we do need special courts. We need men and women who will be readily available across uh, uh, 24-7 to ensure that they deal with criminality in all manifestations. For him, this requires political will. One of the issues that he touched on is the extent to which uh, a BEE is, is going to be circumvented by, you know, greedy politicians who are obviously in the camp of the ANC. This is his view. So, uh, and, and he calls for professionalization of public administration. Everybody talks about professionalization of public administration, building a very strong element of ethics uh, in the leadership and hold managers to account. These are some of the broad issues that Herman has shared with us. As we proceed on this very complex issue, Riandre has, has resigned, as we all know, and he's obviously going to be substituted by, well, you know, there's, there's going to be a process of securing an alternative uh, CEO or a successor, so to speak. Uh, there lies in a very interesting issue. The South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry released a article, which I saw three days ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, challenging the role of politicians in 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 appointing board members of SOEs as well as CEOs. We just want to get a, a sense from Hamid because based on that article by the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Adam McCorky, who's the CEO, is pontificates that the very same mess that we are at is uh, as a result of the same politicians who are appointed these. For him, Adam McCorky, in his capacity as a CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, suggests that the cabinet Politicians in general do not have the capacity, the competencies and skills to appoint board members. So we just want to get a sense from um, Hammond what his take on that very point of the point. Nimrod, that's really very true. I mean, tell me uh, uh, a big percentage, if not all uh, ANC politicians who've uh, really saved us over the last uh, uh, almost uh, 29 years, tell me what have they actually produced uh, in their lives, uh, except uh, obviously uh, just uh, talking and, and do, doing and singing. And most of the time, uh, what they specialize in, it's actually singing than actually resolving uh, any issues. So that's where we that's uh, where we're sitting with a with a major problem you can imagine someone who's never done anything in his life and you give him or her the responsibility to be in charge of ESCOM or be in charge of uh, the South African Reserve Bank or or be in charge of PRASA. That's why today we don't have our rail network uh, collapse. Uh, poor South Africans uh, don't have a reliable public transport uh, system, which we inherited from the apartheid system. Instead of expanding it, we've now literally completely de- 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 destroyed it. It's because uh, people... Uh, the, who are governing us, who are our leaders, um, they, they put people on the basis of who they know, not what they know. And also, I think, something that um, uh, it's really been a, a huge challenge for South Africa, it's really put us into this mess, is it's obviously um, uh, discriminatory loss. 
You know, that was an impression when we were fighting um, uh, to remove apartheid, uh, which discriminated um, us as black people uh, um, on the race on the basis of uh, how God created us. And uh, now the new South Africa comes, and Nelson Mandela, all excited, Desmond Tutu with the Rainbow Nation. Today, it's it's actually quite sad. It's uh, it's helpful for me uh, to see how we are divided along racial lines, and the ANC has been instrumental in driving racial divisions. So now you can imagine. Uh, do do you think and expect the country to make it in an environment where you discriminate uh, your your own citizens, you pit them against uh, each other? So uh, why you know how you address? Um, the racial inequalities and racial harmony. It's by getting people uh, to, to really get together, not to come out with laws that, that discriminate them. I think I can really give examples when I, when I was still running business, uh, that personally where, you know, in, in the new South Africa, I'm forced on a regular basis, uh, I must fill in forms, uh, uh, to, uh, to tell government how many blacks I employ, how many whites, Indian colored, you know, I mean, these are some of the things that really made me to say, no, I, I cannot really morally do this. God does not allow my morals and my the fear for God does not allow me to to accept this because there's a there's a way one can address uh, inequality. You address it by ensuring that uh, kids in so way too have got schools. So look at right now this week uh, we're sitting with a massive challenge. Uh, Millions of uh, thousands of our kids all over the country don't have uh, schools to go to, but in the same time, schools in Soweto are closed, um, dilapidated, hijacked. Uh, you know, 29 years into our democracy, when we should have made sure that a school in Soweto and a school here in Senten, the facilities are the same. You allow, take Kosatu uh, uh, and, and, uh, and Satu to, to, to control education. U.S. government control education, bring back school inspectors and really take the best teachers to really go and uh, teach in, 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 uh, in uh, public schools. But what happens? We came out with discriminatory laws. What happens? We lost uh, the, the skills, black and white. Uh, I mean, you can go to London or whatever. You find um, black and white uh, South Africans uh, who t- t- had to really leave this country because they, they couldn't take it. They left uh, this country with their with their skills because of discriminatory laws that the ANC government um, uh, introduced uh, post 1994. And uh, th- these are things that I believe. Um, if we are not going to address them or we are going to be scared to, to, to confront them and discuss them openly. We know some people will insult us, but we, we cannot really be governed by criminals uh, and people with their own uh, self-interest uh, to, uh, to, to, to insult us and, uh, and we withdraw. For me, I'm not going to withdraw. I'm going to really tell it uh, like it is. Um, you can call me names. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with us because calling me names I'm telling you is not going to change uh, my views, it's not going to change uh, how God created me but uh, I have the right, I live in a constitutional democracy I'm going to express uh, my feelings and uh, where mm-hmm. I believe we've really gone wrong as a country. Thank you very much, I'm glad you raised your last point you raised the constitution, which is the basis for Bill of Rights 
And earlier on, he said the, the, the ANC has brought about racial division by promoting discriminatory laws. And, and I just wanted to pack, unpack that a little bit. Uh, but perhaps maybe put the context that the constitution as it sits does allow for positive discrimination because the discrimination come in two positive ways. There's a negative discrimination, there's a positive discrimination. Positive discrimination in the context of South African politics, it's a recognition of unjust laws which created inequalities. Inequities. It was therefore on that basis that positive discrimination laws were enacted. How those laws were enacted is something that that is different. I just want to 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 to, to throw that point at you. Absolutely, I agree with you, uh, Nimrod. Uh, I'm not naive uh, uh, to say that we don't have to really address uh, the ills of uh, the National Party since 1948 or address issues that happened uh, even before 1948, uh, things that happened since uh, 1652. I'm not really naive uh, to say that we we ignore those things. But at the same time, look at the the damage caused by the ANC government uh, since uh, 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 1994. You address issues like this as the constitution uh, demands of us. When you have uh, a community, for an example, of Soweto where you don't, we did not have uh, proper schools, we did not have proper facilities. What you do is uh, make sure that the business people uh, to work and you make sure that they pay their taxes, encourage them as government to, to work, make sure that um, they pay taxes and those who avoid uh, taxes or out uh, uh, like the president uh, uh, we've experienced now with our president with the Palapala and US dollars. You've come out with uh, serious punishment against anyone who doesn't pay tax. And once people have paid taxes, you look after that money. Go and address the ills in those communities which were Previously dis, uh, disadvantaged. Go and build them proper schools, universities, clinics, hospitals. Uh, because w- once you, you come out with a, with a program like that, what happens 20, 20, 30 years down the line? I tell you, in Soweto today, we're supposed to be having uh, every street, uh, uh, having, pro- having produced engineers, lawyers, accountants, and so forth. Today, our education system in South Africa is one of the worst uh, in terms of the outcomes in the world. So can we blame this on apartheid? I think, no, let, let us be honest uh, with, with ourselves. We lost the teachers, we lost nurses, um, we lost the professional people in this country because of discriminatory laws, which perhaps they had good intentions, but uh, having good intention is not good enough. Or t- t- telling me you've got policies, but uh, it's implementation. You cannot really claim a, a policy is good when it's, it cannot really be implemented. You know, as a businessman over the years, um, I know so many people have been an employer in this country for many years. People who claim to be working hard, but you can't see the results. So I'm not interested in someone telling me you're a hard worker, but I can't see results. But those where you see results, then you reward them. You encourage um, uh, absolutely. You encourage people to really be the best they can be. And as government, you call it because in that process you collect more money and make sure that you don't steal steal that money. Go and invest that money to build people houses. ANC, when they took over this government in 1994, they knew the apartheid government never built houses uh, for black people. That we were deprived of living everywhere where we wanted. So you open up spaces, make sure that uh, there's uh, uh, economic activity. 
and uh, invest on whatever taxes that you get. You invest it, as I say, in education, yeah. in schools, in clinics, and so forth, uh, and so forth. Yeah. Make sure that public transport becomes uh, cheaper now to, and safer. Now, look yeah. at, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in Soweto. Every f- f- 10 minutes, there's a train going to Soweto. When you get to Naledi Station, there's a ba- Padco bus to take you to your uh, nearest destination. Moving from Alexander to to Saint, uh, to, to Bree Street, the buses were there. Hardcore buses subsidized by the government. Where are they today? People of Alexander for them to go into town. The town that is obviously taken over by international criminal syndicates. So, you know, these are things that we should have taken from the apartheid government, the little that we found, because the apartheid government never provided for, 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 for us as black people. But that does not mean that we, we needed to destroy what they built. We needed to, to expand. We needed to expand uh, that so that we reach more people. And uh, yes, and uh, you make sure that uh, absolutely without a- any apology, you direct the uh, majority of your resources to those communities which were previously disadvantaged. Make sure that um, you build them the best schools, the best uh, clinics, and so forth. Not that you ignore the others, but I'm saying is the big budget percentage of your budget must go towards uh, those uh, th- those communities so that. That, uh, you, you 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 give them an opportunity over time Absolutely. to catch up, over over yeah. time to catch up, not to really make a few black guys a billionaires or multi-millionaires. That's not the solution, uh, and and we've proven that to not uh, that it, it is not going to work. And unfortunately, that's these are the results of uh, such actions that uh, we are now today paying the price. And who's paying the price? Who are black people? Yeah. They're the ones that are the biggest uh, casualties of this coming. On, on that uh, note, and that note, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, but um, what I want to start to come back on, um, I mean, um, is that the whole issue of the appointment of boards. Um, I just want to get more insight from you, and we have already concluded, or you have subscribed to the notion that was presented by the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry, that the politicians neither have the competency, competency skills, nor experience to appoint. But I want you to, once coming from the break, give us a download on who do you think is more legible in appointing board members, because that is going to inform the new framing or the new framework, governance framework in the state or entities. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. Uh, this is Nimrod Mbele. I am joined by Hamid Mashaba. We have a very fascinating conversation on a very complex and multi-layered issues. The thrust of the conversation today, essentially, it's about uh, energy crisis, obviously, which span from or which struggle from uh, management, leadership, resources, and the extent to which resources have been applied, legislation, and so on and so forth. So he has given us his view on how the collapse has happened under the ANC leadership. So before we went to the break, I put it to him that 
one of the issues that was raised in the article that I that, that I've read um, from the the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry around the role and responsibilities of the boards. Saki, in that particular uh, article, pontificate, if you like, that the appointment of boards of SOEs is not or should not be the responsibilities of, of the politicians. I want to hear from heaven. Who should plug in that space? Who does he think is more credible with institution or body of insights that is more credible that could play that role, bearing in mind that SOEs, government is a shareholder. What should be the role of government? Because we can't just outright dismiss the role of government as a shareholder. We've got, I mean, this is not just a South African phenomenon, it's a global phenomenon. Where you go to Japan, where you go to China, where you go to OECD countries and so on and so forth. They, you know, governance arrangement is such that we've got a shareholder, which is government. The extent to which government play a role in, in facilitating or directing that one appointment processes is quite critical. So I want to hear from Herman. If Herman was to be a president tomorrow, how would he change the landscape in relation to the appointment of the board? Because these are critical governance structures of which when done correctly, we're likely to see the things that he's talking about. The fact that, the fact that we are in this mess, the fact that we're in this fiasco is an indictment which at the granular level has to do with competency requirements, has to do with meritocracy. Pointed out that at some point you appoint people on the basis of who you know, not what they want, what not what they know. Heaven, your take. Well, Nimrod, uh, let's face it, like you've also really alluded to, that, uh, you know, government is a shareholder uh, of ESCOM and SOEs. So, therefore, like uh, the listed companies or private companies, you know yourself, uh, listed companies, the shareholders every year, they are the ones who obviously approve uh, um, the board. So obviously government as a shareholder, I strongly believe uh, the other ones are responsible for, for, for deciding. The only thing that obviously it's, uh, uh, that the government needs to do is to, to really appoint people not on the basis of their connections to the ANC or to government or to, or to individuals. You have to appoint them on the basis of the expertise and the role that they will play in that. But, what uh, for me is concerning in South Africa right now is uh, government's involvement with um, now appointment of the CEO and and so forth because that has to be the responsibility of the board. The stay the shareholder stays out of uh, the appointment of the CEO, like in uh, listed companies everywhere in the world, or even private companies, our own private companies. Uh, to to you to 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 go and represent me on on a on a private uh, the, the company to be a board member you've got to add uh, a, a, a skill but in terms of the management it's got absolutely nothing to do with me as a as a shareholder what I do I hold the people in 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 my business the directors I hold them directly accountable for the performance but they are the ones who must go out and look for the best skills but unfortunately. In our country, we have government uh, politicians being involved 
even to go to a level of the appointment of CEOs and, and, and the executives. And that's where we've gone completely wrong because we came out with a corrupt system that uh, failed uh, um, from 1917 in the Soviet Union. It failed uh, uh, in China until such time that um, uh, after the passing of uh, the, the, the Mao that uh, the Zeng decided felt, you know, we need to really get professional people to really run. So I believe it is important of government as, as a shareholder to appoint uh, the, the board because they are the shareholder. Uh, but in terms of the management, government must stay out of that, hold uh, the, the, the chairman and the entire board accountable for the performance of the, of the, of, uh, of, uh, the ESCOM or any of the SOEs. Look, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, because certainly when you look at interface between the CEO and the chairperson, the CEO is accountable to the chairperson. And the person, the chairperson as, and the board as a, as a collective is ultimately responsible for what happens within a corporation. But the problem is that when you, when politicians have influence or, or issue directive as to who the CEO needs to be, that puts the chairperson in a very compromising position. One, because, because if, if, if the CEO is appointed or if the CEO has uh, almost like a proxy of a politician, if you like, that co- completely uh, erode the power of the of the chairperson. Even though the chairperson, legislatively, in terms of his whole or his financial responsibilities, can stand, but we do know how po- how political power in the works. We do know the 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 manipulation. So nobody wants to find themselves in a space where they have to look over their shoulder all of the time purely because the CEO has been direct has been appointed or influenced. Maybe that's the right word. Influenced by by by, by a particular minister. So I mean I, I think I agree with you in that where there's been good traction, the politicians don't get involved in the appointment of the CEO. If you really want to clean up, if you really want to hold the executive accountable, you look at the performance ultimately. And if the board does not perform, the first firing line is that of the board. Let me give you, Nimrod, uh, a practical example. Many years ago, uh, in, the, in the early 2000, uh, when we were just, some of us still committed in uh, really playing a role in our country, I was, I was asked to serve on the, on the board of uh, Johannesburg uh, Tourism, whatever, you know. And uh, I tell you, I attended two board meetings. And um, after the second one, I came back to my office and a letter of resignation. Because I go into about the first board meeting, I go in there. We we have uh, politicians uh, as part of the the meeting, and they must present uh, a budget uh, to us. The CEO appointed by the politicians had no clue about uh, the, the budget. The budget that was presented to us has seen up to seventy percent of this. It's actually going towards um, international travel and uh, everything else. I mean, this is uh, a board is supposed to pro- promote in, uh, tourism in in the country. Nothing to really investment in actually attracting people to come to the country because you can't tell me you are going to attract investors by you going to the traveling business class, living in five-star hotels and so forth, and you attend conferences. I said, no, this budget, I'm afraid, 
I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not in support of it. And obviously, uh, I was supported by other board members. And uh, the, at the time, it was Paul Mashatile who was uh, the, the responsible for economic development. Then they said, no, they will organize a, a, a good session, took us away for a few days uh, to one of the, the venues where uh, the, the, the CEO needed to really present the budget to us. It was exactly the same thing again. And the chairperson, I raised this with him. I said, oh, guys, honestly, don't really waste our time. Then the chairperson decides, of course, obviously, it, uh, it's a friend of, of the politicians. The chairperson says to us, he says, look, can't we have um, a committee of the board to assist the, the CEO to put together a budget? I said, my goodness, what, uh, what is this? I said to guys, what, what is this? Can we have a CEO who's unable to present a budget? Our responsibility as the board is not to put together a budget. Budget must be presented to us. It's either we're going to support and question and so forth. I said, I don't want to really be responsible for putting together a, a budget uh, that I'm not going to execute because I'm, I'm an unexecutive director. So I cannot really take the responsibility because if we make this mistake of putting together a budget as a board, that means we must obviously take the responsibility for its execution. So for that reason, I'm not really in support Unfortunately, I was overruled uh, uh, by the majority in in, in that board. Went back when I got to the office, sent uh, my resignation letter to the um, uh, to the chairperson. Even up to today, it's what fifteen whatever years later, I've not even received uh, an acknowledgement of my resignation letter. That <laughs> I'm giving you the, this. Uh, this is not a. It's not. It's not fiction. Even that, it's a definite, it's almost 15, 20 years later. Even today, I've not received uh, acknowledgement of my letter of resignation. They just decided, uh, it, obviously I'm sure for them it was good riddance because it probably I was, uh, I was difficult. Uh, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you laugh, right? <laughs> I'm just giving a practical example because I, I, I'm a practical, pragmatic person. You know, so I'm, I'm giving it as an, as an example. Of, of, of a captured uh, structure because, I mean, how do you abort your role as a body to oversee and question what has been presented uh, by management? Anyway, we're going to take a quick break as we gravitate towards the last bit of our show. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back uh, to Beyond Governance. I'm having a very fascinating conversation with the one and one and only Herman Mashaba. The thrust of our conversation is on about energy crisis and extent to which the structures that are that are there, uh, whether they are diligent 
And if they're not diligent, what needs to be done? We all know that the, the challenges that are being experienced by, 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 by ESCOM, which are interwoven. We're talking corruption. We're talking mal, mal, maladministration. We're talking fraud. We're talking sabotage, a host of issues, which, which unfortunately has led to a stage where we've got up to stage six uh, load shedding, uh, which, which is quite criminal, you know, frankly speaking, given the fact that the country depends on energy. The the consequence of load shedding to small businesses is too big to comprehend. A lot of businesses that are struck that that can't make orders because they obviously depend on 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 electricity. If electricity is not there, they can't make orders, which means they can't pay. So this is a crisis indeed, and and this crisis is also going to be exacerbated as we conclude, by the recent approval by the National Energy Regulator uh, to increase ESCOM tariffs you know, to 18.65% for 2023. I don't know. Perhaps maybe, Hammond, in your conversations, there is a justification to have this massive tariff. Your take on that? Well, uh, uh, Nimrod, how can really anyone ever even think that there can be justification uh, in a country where our inflation is what roughly now eight nine percent, and you 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 come out with more than double the inflation rate uh, where. Uh, South Africans, uh, uh, 46% of them are unemployed. Um, the president himself, um, alluded to the fact that uh, 29 million South Africans, uh, live on, on social grants from, from government. You come out with such a massive, uh, increase. I think with the electricity that, uh, that is uh, not there in any, 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 any way. I don't know how one can justify this. This for me, it's a, it's a really another way of actually going to loot ESCOM because you know where majority of the money is going to the big bulk of this money is going to go to it's going to go to the uh, to to the uh, to the cadres because the cadres are the the main suppliers uh, to ESCOM that is why a guy like the Raiders will never really be. Um, uh, friendly, uh, 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 be acceptable to them because obviously anyone who fights a corruption, uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, you can expect that ANC is going to really be ag- against you. So is this money going to go in resolving ESCOM issues? I don't really believe so. This, uh, why NASA accepted this in the first place, it's really very worrying. I actually read uh, an article uh, a day or so ago where there's some um, rumors going around that uh, the, uh, the the chairperson of NASA uh, is one of uh, the the big investors uh, in uh, uh, in uh, power generation uh, um, uh, the business. So without any doubt, we need uh, independent uh, power producers in the country. It's it's a fact, but we cannot really do it at the expense of uh, destroying uh, ESCOM in the in the in the process. People must obviously run business but there must be fair play. So I think for me, this uh, it is evil. It's not just really criminal. It is evil because, unfortunately, the biggest casualties here again are going to be the poor people because they are not going to afford the electricity. They're going to end up stealing it. They are going to lose jobs because people are losing jobs every single day. You will see next uh, the next uh, set of... Uh, uh, employment uh, the states. Unfortunately, unfortunately, South Africa, as you are aware, we're sitting with the um, 
with the, the, the sustainable unemployment rate in the world. Sustainable means all the countries, you know, unemployment, uh, it's a yo-yo, keeps going up and down uh, on a quarter-by-quarter basis. But you look at South Africa's uh, unemployment rate, why it is the most, is, it is the sustainable unemployment rate in the world, because ever since um, uh, t- 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 10 years into our democracy, unemployment has always been going, unfortunately, going south. And uh, it's going to continue. Expect uh, much more that, that, uh, unemployment numbers going up uh, going forward if we continue like this under the AC government. Well, thank you very much, Herman, for your interesting observation. It has been absolutely wonderful hearing your thoughts. I certainly hope the listener have, uh, uh, you know, embraced or have, um, you know, points that they can reflect on in their own individual spaces. Once again, thank you very much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much and uh, goodbye. Thank you. There you are. That's Herman Mashaba, the president of Action SA, giving us his views and insight on the current debacle that we've seen, uh, uh, you know, at ESCOM. His view is quite clear that um, the, the, the change, the sustainable change that we expect from, from ESCOM cannot be addressed in the current political spectrum. Uh, there's an absolute need to overall um, the old leadership structure. There's a, there's a need to overall the whole management structure. These are his views. He's entitled to express them. Uh, and let's just hope uh, as we move forward, the energy crisis is going to be addressed or the impact is just too severe. We cannot wait for tomorrow. These are some of the issues that needs to be addressed Urgently, and I'm hopeful that the president, uh, now that he has cancelled his trip to to Davos, there is something up his sleeves in terms of giving us uh, a remedial action or to remedy the crisis that we're seeing as it is destroying lives. Let's do this again next week. It has been absolutely pleasure having you, and I hope you have had a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful ex- experience or exposure on the issues that you have held and your. Your, your level of comprehension is slightly better. I, I certainly hope where we have had apologies, but I, I think everything has been absolutely awesome. Have a good one. Shalom. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.